you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to GMFB Live at our breakfast table in New York. It is Friday, May 6th. My name is Kay Adams. Peter Schrager is here. Tom Pellicer with the subway, I heard. Sources say. <laughs> the right direction this time. It Didn't end up in Brooklyn. It wasn't first-hand account, but was I right? Yeah. Yeah? Did very well. How'd it go? Worked out. Two-time Super Bowl champion, Tori Smith. <sighs> it's time for the lead block. <laughs> let's start. Lead block. We're going to start with a, uh, let's, let's do this. A former teammate of Tori Smith. The Eagles' former team, rather, and former teammates. They had a solid offseason. And then in the draft, they take Jordan Davis. He signed with Philly just yesterday, making it official. Their future center and Cam Jurgens as well. They steal N'Kobe Dean in the third. Oh, by the way, they traded for A.J. Brown as well, which everybody's super amped about. They've got some good stuff hanging out there and going on with them. And their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, said as much earlier this week. I think this is an exciting time to, to be an Eagle, coming off of the things we were able to co- accomplish and overcome last year. I think there's a lot to look forward to. Just knowing that, for me, one thing that I've been telling the guys is the foundation has been set, the standard has been set, and the only direction is to climb. This was a playoff team last year. Jalen Hurts looking to climb, prove himself, of course, and uh, take advantage of that NFC East. So are the Eagles the favorites in this division, Tory? I think the Dallas Cowboys are always the favorite in the preseason, right? And you'll let them have that because ever since I've been a child, that's the way it's always been. However, the Eagles, I feel like they improved so much over the course of this offseason, and they're a real threat. Jalen Hurts, who's an excellent leader, and I think he's underrated as a quarterback, and now he's going to really take that jump that we've seen this year due to the weapons that are around them. Um, This roster is ready to compete. And also, on the flip side of that, it's the NFC East. You never know who's going to win this thing. And you talk about Washington adding Carson Wentz to the fold, them getting a little bit healthier. Chase Young will be back this season. It's a division that's always going to be tossed up in the air, but, you know, everyone, and I'm comfortable allowing Dallas to be the preseason champions, even though we know anything's possible when the season happens. Right now, Eagles, though, are the pick? If you had to make a pick and say, hey, in January, no, this team is... January, I'm never betting on Dallas, but that's why I said preseason. You said preseason. That's the trick to the question. Preseason, Dallas all day. Let's talk about the Eagles because the ending of their season might not be remembered as we go nuts about N'Kobe Dean in the third round. Uh, it's one of the worst playoff games you'll ever see, and I hate to relive this, but... Uh, they go down to Tampa as the seventh seed. It's like, all right, Eagles got a shot. They had no shot. Uh, Tampa just absolutely demolished them. And it was one of those games where you're like, gosh, should we have even expanded the playoffs? This team did not belong in this in this contest. They got a lot of better players. They got A.J. Brown. I think that, you know, you find a guy like Jordan Davis, he's going to help plug things up in the middle. <coughs> I think, bless you, I think Hassan Reddick is a tremendous pass rusher. But are we sure Jalen Hurts is, is going into Dallas and winning a big game? Are we sure that Jalen Hurts is going to be able to say, hey, in December, put the team on me. We're going, you said he's a great leader and an underrated quarterback. I don't know where I rate Jalen Hurts. Is he one of the top 
10 quarterbacks in the NFC? Is he one of the top three quarterbacks in his division? Like, it's all there now. So are they the favorites in the NFC East? I look at the roster, I say, sure, yeah. But then I look at this guy. Michael Parsons plays for the Cowboys, and this guy is the ultimate eraser. He's the best player in the division right look now. Look at him. You put him against anyone on any of these other three teams, and he could single-handedly win you a game. So I'm still going the Cowboys, despite their dysfunction, despite who knows what happened this offseason. In a big spot, I trust Micah Parsons to make a play, Micah Parsons to be the guy. And as much as I love the Eagles roster, if I had to pick one right now, Tori, I'm probably going to be one of those guys in the media who every summer takes the Cowboys. <laughs> the Cowboys have the best player in the division. Mm -hmm. They have, and I don't even think it's arguable, the best quarterback in the division mm -hmm. right now in Dak Prescott. They won 12 games a year ago. They only lose in the playoffs to a 49ers team that then went to Lambeau Field and beat the Packers. I don't know how you don't look at the Cowboys as the favorites. Having said that, there have been some unusual circumstances through the course of this Dallas offseason. Starts out with Randy Gregory, a guy that the Cowboys had brought along when he went through a lot of different personal struggles. They get him on the field. He's playing the best football of his career agrees to terms on an extension, but then backs out and decides to sign with the Broncos instead. Same week, Amari Cooper, who they were initially talking about potentially releasing, they trade him for a fifth-round pick and a flop of sixes in a market that in the coming weeks was first-round picks, second-round picks, monster deals, because they didn't want to pay him $20 million and they didn't feel like they could afford it. Mm -hmm. Kelvin Joseph... <laughs> Kelvin Joseph is implicated. The Cowboys have to answer questions about a murder investigation because mm. he's in a car where a person is gunned down in Dallas. And then you have the draft where they take Tyler Smith at number 24 overall. A pick that was controversial enough locally that Jerry Jones literally held up, here's our draft grades, look at them. People enhanced it. They got Tyler Smith as a very good tackle. See, see, we had him high. There are some injury concerns. The Cowboys obviously were willing to bring him in, but that's just kind of classic Cowboys in that there's a million different things going on that aren't particularly productive. Yeah. But then when you strip all that away, you go, they brought back their coordinators. Dan Quinn didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Kellen Moore's back. The coaching staff's together. They brought back a lot of their same guys. How are they not the team to beat? The Cowboys are the team to beat. The Eagles have gotten a lot better. The Eagles can take the division this year, but it would be disrespectful to the Cowboys to say that the Eagles are the favorites going into the season before the season plays out. And I don't have to show anything about the playoffs, about anything, the Niners. We can just show the two games against the Eagles last year and what the Cowboys did. It wasn't the same caliber team by any stretch of the imagination. It, in fact, guys, was not close. Dak Prescott threw eight touchdowns in this game. Both games were massacres. Dallas putting up a combined 92 points. Philly simply did not look like they belonged on the same field as this Dallas Cowboys team. And as far as what it could look like next year, let's say Eagles win the division, let's say the Eagles sweep them, it might be them we're talking about. But to your point, uh, Peter, has Jalen Hurts done enough getting them into the playoffs to show that he's the guy going forward? No, but I hope that this is the year he does. Yeah, I think we're all rooting for him because the team is a major vote of confidence in the offseason where Deshaun Watson, everyone was courting, Eagles kind of sat in the back. And when Baker Mayfield's available, Eagles are like, yeah, we're good. Howie Roseman has been very proactive in saying Jalen Hurts is our quarterback and feels like internally everyone's in. The city of Philadelphia seems all in. I think this has to be a leap year because truth of the matter, and we're going to talk about it all season long, they have two first round picks next year. And if he doesn't deliver, the rest of the roster is pretty good, and that's some pressure on the young man, but it is his third year in the NFL. 
2022 draft is behind us, so it's time to look back and see how teams fared with their picks. It's something that we are calling Spring Fling. Nobody's talked like that since the 80s, but we are here on Good Morning Football, a Spring Fling action division by division. Every day we're breaking one down, evaluating their draft, their addition. So today it is the NFC South. Peter, kick us off with the Buccaneers and their draft. The Buccaneers had a really, really strong draft. They traded out of that first round, but they feel really good about what they got because they address needs. And if you're looking at this big list, obviously we know that the defensive end, we don't know what's going on with JPP. We don't know if Sue's coming back. All this stuff with Logan Hall is a good fit, but I'm looking at that second round pick. And I think Luke Gadecki is going to fill a huge void. Ali Marpet was a really strong player for him for many, many years. On the Super Bowl team, he was always the guy at guard. And then last year, obviously, finished up a career where at the end of the season, he says, I'm retiring. I'm hanging him up. The Bucks. they went and got Shaq Mason in, in a trade, but they needed to fill in that void right there. And with Alex Kappa in Cincinnati now, Marpet is going to be replaced by that young man, Luke Gadecki, who grew up in Whitelaw, Wisconsin, attended Valders High School, and showed up at Wisconsin Stevens Point as a tight end. You know I love Wisconsin, Trey. This is a Wisconsin boy through Woo! and through. Showed up as a tight end, caught 12 passes, eventually transfers to Central Michigan, where they're like, we're going to move you to offensive line. Huh. And then offensive line, he excelled. Missed 2020 with an injury. 2021 was outstanding. Um, tough as nails and is going to slide right into that Marpet role at guard. So he played tackle in college. He'll play guard. He's drafted in the 50s. They thought he would go earlier than that. I think the Buccaneers are thrilled with what they get at offensive guard. Not going to win any headlines. Not going to win any A-plus draft grades. But when you get a starting guard in the second round and a guy who has been through a lot going from junior college or smaller school straight through to a knee injury then to overcome and switching positions, they're going to get a 23-year-old man who is ready to play and ready to play right now and protect Tom. He's probably pretty happy. I mean, we had Worfs come on, and he goes, I got to protect the greatest quarterback right. of all time. And it, you could tell Tristan Worfs that meant something to him. So this kid's got a lot to live up to, and it's an honor. Falcons get their draft going, taking Drake London at number eight. What do we hear about Drake London, the whole pre-draft process? Well, he's coming off of an injury. Then he tweaks something during yeah. the course of his training. He's not running. And everybody was saying, well, he's not going to run because he knows he's not fast. He's not going to run a good 40 time. Falcons don't care. That's They're it. doubling down on let's get the biggest dudes possible and have mismatches all over the field. So Drake London, 6'4", 219. He's got 33-inch arms. You stack him opposite Kyle Pitts as Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith is having an allergic <laughs> reaction to the sushi he had last night. We might need to change out Torrey's wardrobe. I think he's allergic to something. Arnold Abikady, <laughs> second round, a team that a guy that other teams were actually trying to move up for in the draft. He got some pass rush off the edge, had a big year at Penn State after his transfer from Temple. They get Troy Anderson, a linebacker out of Montana State. You got to draft anybody out of Montana State, you can. And then the really interesting pick, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati, slides all the way into the third round. He helped himself through the pre-draft process because everybody liked how mature he is and how well he seemed to have a grasp of the big picture. He did run pro-style concepts at Cincinnati. Question is just, is he accurate enough throwing the football? Mm -hmm. Really interesting thing in talking to a scout before the draft was he actually made the comparison to Marcus Mariota's body type mm -hmm. with Desmond Ritter. They're both kind of these big, long receiver type bodies. So you got two guys who are kind of built the same way. They both have kind of the same questions about him. And now you have to wonder, Marcus Mariota gets a deal as a bridge quarterback. Potentially, does Desmond Ritter do enough through the offseason that he gets his opportunity sooner than later? Were you surprised Ritter slipped to the third? I was surprised 
a lot of things happened with the quarterbacks <laughs> through the course of this draft. Ritter slipping to the third, Malik Willis slipping to the third, Sam Howell slipping to the fifth, and surprise people within the league as well. With Ritter, again, when the hangup is, can you throw it well enough? We've seen the Bills with Josh Allen. Quarterbacks can get better. For a long time, everybody believed accuracy can't improve, but similar types of questions. Can he just throw it well enough? The arm isn't bad, but can he throw it consistently enough? That's they really the question. Not, they could have freaked out, and if they liked another quarterback, they could have taken him instead of your guy Drake London at eight, and they didn't. They let the draft play itself or taken out, him and in they the got second. crazy yeah. value in the third round, I think, with Ritter. And a lot, you know, I was thinking, were they going to be that team that says, we don't trust Mariota, and we want to go grab our Kenny Pickett, we want to go get our Malik Willis for the future? There were so many cute storylines between Malik Willis and Atlanta, but they didn't actually like their draft a lot. Not as much as I like the Saints Jack, mm-hmm. though. I think they nailed it. They only had five picks in this thing, but I love everything that they did, and let me tell you why. Chris Olave, if we take a look at the Saints and what they did, incredible. This was a terrible receiving core last year. Without Michael Thomas, without Alvin Kamara for stretches and what he does in the receiving game, this is a burner. He's going to be there alongside Michael Thomas. I think that'll get the best out of Michael Thomas, and if they're healthy, they're going to do their thing. Torrey Smith, if he recovers from his allergic reaction, will be breaking down Chris Olave later in the show. Everyone keeps saying, why do you love Trevor Penning so much? Why do you keep talking about Trevor Penning? I don't. Sean O'Hara came in here. Brian Baldinger came in here and sold me on Trevor Penning. I think there is a meteor-sized hole in that offensive line with the departure of Teron Armstead and the same had to make a big play to get a guy who could be half as good as what Teron Armstead's been for a decade there. And they got Penning. I've heard glowing reports about him from people I trust here at NFL Network, NFL Media, so I'm excited about him, and I do think he'll step in admirably. Outside of that, where do they need help? Corner. They did that. Alante Taylor out of Tennessee. And then they scoop up, of course, Tyron Matthew, a perfect storybook ending to his career as the Louisiana kid goes back to the Saints, helping a secondary that they will need help with, with Mike Evans and company in that South. Love the Trevor Penning, just the nastiness of him and He's going to bring, like, he's 100%. the dude who got in a fight on, like, the first snap at the Senior, senior Bowl. <laughs> he tough. is going to be in your face all the time, and they need that attitude on that team. And the Carolina Panthers fit in the same boat with their first-round pick, Ikio Guano. He's very physical. He's a mauler. Kind of similar to what my allergies are doing to me right now. They're destroying me. But I got some Flonase in the back. Need coming from Charlotte, I'm extremely excited for him to be drafted into his hometown. Okay. Um, he's going to help partner up with Taylor Moten. He can play inside. He can play outside. I'm not sure exactly where they're going to put him, but he's a guy that's going to help you team be a better football team. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the draft, and it was very clear. But also, they drafted a starter later in Brandon Smith at, at middle linebacker. Jermaine Carter has been anchoring that defense in the middle alongside Shaq Thompson for the past couple of years. He's now moved on to Kansas City, and now it's an opportunity for the kid from Louisa, Virginia. Shout out to the folks out there uh, <laughs> that's stepping up, and he was a big-time player at Penn State. I think he's going to fit right in right away. Huge athletic presence, and he's an NFL linebacker that can help cover these guys and cover some ground. So I'm excited. A lot of people don't love their draft, but I think they added a few guys. You can say Matt Corral, but he's not going to play this year. I don't think he's going to play at least right away. And Sam Darnold's going to have the chance to prove that he's still the guy. I think he's extremely motivated, and I hope that he plays well so Matt can really develop the way he's supposed to. But Carolina could have drafted their quarterback of the future, and we'll have, we have some time to figure out if he's going to be the one. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good morning, football! Odell Beckham Jr. reaches up and comes down to the ball. Touchdown for the Rams. Stafford for Beckham. Open. Touchdown. Here's one for Beckham. Got him. Touchdown, Odell Beckham. That's what Odell Beckham Jr. brings to your team. Let's do it. We've got uh, Odell Beckham Jr. exciting. He was spotted this week in Phoenix, game two of the Suns-Mavs series. He's looking like he's having a good time. We know he's a new dad. We've also seen Odell at the top of the available free agents list over at NFL.com. And he joined the Rams midseason, of course, last year, and they needed him. He turned it on in the playoffs. Woods gets injured. He did get injured, of course. Odell did at the you know end of the first half in the Super Bowl. That was huge, but he's still emerged a champion and he is still unsigned so now that the draft is settled teams basically know where they're at with wide receivers this draft was huge so much depth and they all went off the board so who's there left to sign Odell Beckham Jr. I think the Rams should re-sign him. It should have happened already. Odell Beckham was a huge part of this Rams Super Bowl team and was a beloved teammate. I could tell you that when he came in, there were a lot of doubters on the outside, and those first few weeks were not as smooth as they could have been. And yet, Odell, the player and the person, was incredible. Sean McVay speaks openly about it, that Odell took that team to the next level, and when they needed him most, he was there. You go to that Baltimore game in the rain that L.A. was still fighting for an NFC West title against Arizona and San Francisco, and Odell Beckham was was the story, made huge plays left and right. Cooper Cup was covered, was draped all over him, and Odell was the one making big fourth down conversions and then the touchdown score in the end. I, I think that was just setting the table for the playoffs where you get to the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. Again, Cooper Cup would have massive plays against the Buccaneers the week before, but it was Odell who was putting his body on the line and making enormous plays in clutch moments for San Francisco. And then one of the great what ifs of Super Bowl history is what what ifs Odell didn't tear his knee up in the Super Bowl because mm -hmm. he started that game, those first two quarters, and he was unstoppable. The Bengals' strategy was let's just drape ourselves all over Cooper Cup and let's let Odell beat us. McVay's strategy was let's make Odell our number one and let's pick on who's ever covering Odell because we got him. He was on pace to have 250 yards in this game. At Odell, there, there is a Super Bowl ring that he has gotten, but there is also this feeling of like, this was the perfect home for Odell Beckham. He loves LA, they love him. I don't know what else you could be looking for. It almost makes too much sense. And the way that they've built this thing, with Allen Robinson now coming, we don't need to rush Odell. Odell, come whenever you're ready. Show up in November if you need. Show up in December if you need. We need you for those clutch moments, just like we had last year. Odell Beckham was a great Los Angeles Ram, even if it was for a small window. Let's bring it back and let's see if we Why can get Why isn't he more. signed yet then? I don't know. Is there, is there concern, not just not with the Rams, but league-wide about the injury? Anyone coming off as serious an injury as is, and Tom, you can weigh in too, that there's going to be a concern about it. But I believe the Rams would be willing to sign Odell if the number was right for him. Today, that's how much they interest, their interest was strong on Odell. It is a borderline miracle that Odell did what he did down the stretch okay. last season with the Rams and in the Super Bowl because his knee was so bad. Dangling. That ACL was going to tear eventually. So everyone says, oh, Odell misses out on this big payday. He may not have been able to pass a team's physical and sign a free agent contract. So at this point, he's not going to be ready yeah. until around Thanksgiving. Okay. So that's part of the factor here. But 
in terms of like his overall recovery and his ability to move forward from here, it might be the best thing that possibly happened that's, was that's having the ACL. That's going to affect the price then. So maybe he's a value for a team. He's going to have to be agreeable to that. And it's a team that's contending that might need him a little later, one that can stand being patient with him out the gates. I think it's the Ravens. Rams, you had your time. You got your championship ring. I want Lamar Jackson to win a Super Bowl. Mm. They just got rid of Hollywood Brown. They need a speedy guy, and that can be Odell. Maybe not right away. Mm-hmm. And I know they have Rashad Bateman, who I love. Shrigs, you know how much yep. I love him, how disappointing it was to not see him do his thing out there. But that is your complete all-around great wide receiver. They need a speedy guy, a guy who can help take the top off the defense a little bit. And they, if they can have that element to make a Super Bowl push, which is what I expect from this Ravens team, that's where I'd like to see Odell go. With that mentality, with Lamar Jackson throwing him the, the ball, and we've seen it, you know, since Lamar took over. They can get into the playoffs. We've seen this over and over. Yes, run. Use your run game. We get it. But once you get in there, and we're talking about the Bengals, and we're talking about the Bills, the run game simply isn't enough, and neither is the defense. You have to have some sort of threat in the passing game, and that is Odell. And if he had stayed healthy, they would have smoked the Bengals probably because it was an incredible performance, and it's wild that they won without him in the second half. Both of you make very good, logical (laughs) (laughs) Go for where where he lands. But this is Odell Beckham Jr. we're talking about. It's an unusual situation because he's not going to have you know, real live reps for a good chunk of the offseason. Right. He's got to go someplace where ideally he has some type of foundation in the offense. How about the Miami Dolphins? Now they've traded for Tyree Kill. Okay. They obviously have Jalen Waddell, who's been a high volume player, but they are going speed, speed, speed. They signed Cedric Wilson too. They try signed Trent Shurfield. But if you're talking about hedging your bets and insurance policy, if something happens to one of those guys, not a whole lot of people better than Odell Beckham Jr. to be able to step in and give you something. I don't think this is likely. This would be so to be clear, scary. Before this goes viral and we tweet that thing out, I'm not saying <laughs> Odell is going to the Dolphins. Tom Pelissero is reporting. Yeah. <laughs> Mike McDaniel runs a similar type of an offense or is going yeah. to to what Sean McVay yep. runs. Odell could basically do the same thing, just be on the backside, win one-on-ones. It's not overly complicated. Come in when you're ready down the stretch for a team that you never know in this league. Injuries happen. Maybe that's the function he plays somewhere at Tory. I think for Odell, it boils down to really what he wants and what he needs and what that particular match is. And so for me, it's a team that has the opportunity to compete and win and a team that's going to be great on the back end, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Their wide receiver room right now, they have a couple veterans in there. You have Alan Lazard, you have Sammy Watkins, right? But to me, you're not getting Odell to help you get to that point. You're getting him at that point to help you get over the hump. And that's really the biggest difference. Adding that playmaker now, Odell's a guy that's been there. He's not just a guy that you're adding a vet that can play. That you that no, he has that Super Bowl experience. I know what it's like personally to have that experience to help spread that and explain to other guys what it takes to play at that level. But he's also a guy that's proven that he can take his game up a notch. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers, we know he's going to be good enough to get the Packers to the NFC Championship game again. We know that. That's just a given. But with Odell Beckham, I think he can be that missing piece that can get them over the hump. I, I love that. They need, I want them to have a veteran. I've been screaming from the rooftops about that. Quickly, before we even move on here, it's very hard to change how you're seen as a player, as a coach, as an offense, as a team, what your identity is as a team or you run it. It's so hard to change the narrative on you. And there's not been a time, I don't think, where we would have been talking about Odell, Miami, without it being like, well, Miami's a party town. Like, can he handle Miami? And not one of us said it. Not one of us was going to say it. So whatever Odell's done, whether it's a change of scenery, Sean McVay's credit to all of that, this 
there's always talk about Odell in the locker room. There's always talk about how is he going to fit in the scene? Is he going to prioritize football? That is not the case anymore, and I just think that should be pointed out. It's a great point, Kay. And when you go to the NFC Championship game and he's the one consoling Debo Samuel as the veteran and saying, hey, don't worry. And then you go to the Super Bowl, and after he tears up his knee, it's him and it's his lady and it's his mother, and they're on the field, and you're like, oh, Odell's more than Met Gala and going out and partying uh, you know, in Vegas. Like Odell actually is a fully evolved man who's been through so much and always the flip side is going to be yeah but look at what the videos with Baker and look how it ended with the Giants look Odell has had a bunch of things that have happened in his career but I don't think anyone questions the man and the leader that he they can used be. to though but now they don't why though Odell's always been that guy anyone that knows Odell Beckham anyone that's ever been around him knows that what the media has done and said is not who he's ever been as a person just because he made that big time catch here where we're in New York where mm-hmm. we are people took it and talked about him in a different way Odell the person has never been a problem. Odell, the teammate, has never been a problem. Odell just breathes. Baker and all that was something. Uh, but. Baker, I mean, maybe he's upset, but even within that locker room, he wasn't a person that was driving and calling them out and doing them things, you know? Dad had to do what he had to do yeah. to get him up out of there, right? <laughs> but he was never actively doing anything. You will never find a teammate that said Odell Beckham was a horrible teammate, period. However, that hasn't been the narrative because of people from the outside, and I'm glad that it's been able to be controlled somewhat because people that know him and I've known him, I've been around him a bunch. It's been frustrating to see that because he is a superstar kind of player, but he's consistently been a good dude and I feel like he's got the short end of the stick mm. from the media. There were a lot of things earlier in his career, attacking the kicking net, later proposing the to punch. the kicking net, the screaming in the hallway, wow. the punch, various altercations with players on the field. I mean, there were a bunch of things where it was just, this is a guy who's learning to manage his emotions and he had a lot to figure out and you're in the biggest media spotlight ever because of the catch, as you mentioned. One of the key parts of the dynamic in LA, he didn't need to be the guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to be the leader because you had other veteran players, strong personalities. He didn't even need to be the guy in the receiver room. And that's one thing I heard was everybody had that question about how is he going to fit in? And obviously the situation Robert Woods gets injured and he ends up having a bigger role. But like he knew it was Cooper Cup's room. He let him be the leader. He let him be the guy. Didn't complain about how much he was getting the football. He fit in with a team, which is what his next team, if it's not the Rams, is going to be asking. But him to also do what we see about the elite of elite wide receivers, not a lot of them are like Cooper Cup who work in silence and mm-hmm. let you know Cooper Cup I think he deserves some credit for how that wide receiver not just about Odell but in general it, it's not a, a me guy it's not yeah. a guy who wants the targets and if it was I can name seven other wide receivers that were in that room I don't know if it would work and the story goes that Jalen Ramsey brought the FaceTime into the wide receivers yeah. room right. and says hey do you guys want Odell and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were like Odell you gotta come you gotta come to your point that might not be with every Number one wide receiver. Do you disagree, Tori? I don't know. Sounds like Mike Evans to me, man. Yeah. Okay. Superstars that can handle it. Guys that just want to win. If you want to win, it truly shows. At GMFE with your thoughts. It's the Tuck World Game from 2001. AFC Divisional Patriots Raiders. Was it a fumble? Was it not a fumble? They gave the bats the ball. Patriots went on to win the game. And then, oh yeah, they won the Super Bowl two weeks later. Well, yesterday, Tom took part in the new TikTok trend set by Justin Bieber, and you just won't believe what he said. Take a look. Tuck rule game against the Raiders. Might have been a fumble. The Raiders, of course, had to put their two cents in, simply tweeting out, knew it! (laughs) And even the one and only friend of the show, the wonderful, legendary Charles Woodson, chimed in on the matter. This is what we're doing, Brady. Tori likes that. Tom gave us this response. I said might. Such a tough call. No choice but to respect the officials. That's good. Probably correct decision. 
We love it. Tom is on TikTok, just running the show from a branding perspective, as always. Now, since we are in this business of digging up old plays from the past and it's on trend and we're so trendy here on this show, mm-hmm. Tori, what moment in football history should other players come clean about? To me, the play that everyone needs to come clean about and everyone knows I like to throw the Dallas Cowboys. But Des Bryant caught that pass, y'all. You think? That was 1,000% a catch. And to me, that one play changes the history of the Cowboys because that's the year that they could have very easily won the Super Bowl that year. And now here we are talking about how they haven't been good since we've had flat screen TVs. (laughs) And so that's something to me that that's a play right there that literally changes the history of the game. That's Bryant's legacy as well. And now it changes the way we even talk about the catch, right? I mean, that's easily a touchdown. I feel bad for him because that's a big-time play right there in a big-time moment. I remember watching it, and now here we are still trying to figure out exactly what a catch is. They go to Seattle the next week. They win. They go play the Patriots Super Bowl. They win. That's how you see it. I love it. it. Just like that. Under the rules, not a catch. (laughs) I was there. As soon as you saw the replay on the monitors at Lambeau Field. No, it's not a catch. He's extending the ball. He's going to the ground. That's the rule as it was at the time. We don't have to like it. It's changed since then. A big reason that the rule changed. (laughs) Not a catch. Not a catch. The play I would like a number of people to come clean on came last season. It's week 18. The Giants against the Washington football team and it is the quarterback sneak on third and nine from the Giants four-yard line. You are a 4-12 and Giants team. Your head coach a week before has come out and said, this ain't no clown show organization. (laughs) Not only do you sneak it on second and 11, you sneak it again on third and nine. And because of the COVID protocols, there was no open locker room after the game. Uh. You didn't get to ask a lot of people. Obviously, the Giants make huge organizational changes a few days later. Everyone forgets about it. But I would love the oral history from all 11 guys in that huddle, including the quarterback, Jake Fromm. Jake that call Fromm. comes in for the second straight play. What is the conversation? What are you actually thinking in that huddle? In the documentary, they go to, here's our quarterback, Jake Fromm. And everyone's like, Jake Fromm? It's a long story, but he was there. We got him in there. That was it. Um, Brady's been great on social media, to your point. He's being honest. But I would like to know if he wishes he had this one back. The Super Bowl loss of the Eagles. Oh, no. The Philly special. This one here, just, ah! If Brady catches that one there, who knows if Torrey Smith has a second Super Bowl ring? (laughs) Who knows if the Philly special even happens afterwards? Who knows if we are clowning Brady for years for dropping that one? I would like to know, deep down, does Brady wish he had this one? Because it would have been a pretty bad. He does. What do you mean? Do you Deep down, ah, he the most say, athletic hey. thing he's he tried to do in 20 years in Just the NFL on the biggest stage the possible hands. bounces off his head. All the Super Bowl rings. Does he have one regret? Maybe catching that ball. I speak on behalf of all the folks in Philly. We appreciate that. That was it. Thank you, Tom. Fail Mary, of course, is the low-hanging fruit here, and I want to bring it up only for this reason. I like Tom being honest. He said might. Of course, he didn't say it absolutely <laughs> was incorrect or was um, wrong all those years ago, but we had a unique opportunity to fail Mary. We all know it, but we had Golden Tate on the show. And he had a chance to come clean about the old fail, Mary. He didn't take it. We probably don't have Golden Sound here. But, you know, it took Tom, what, 20 years to be honest about the tuck rule. So, Golden Tate, can you be honest about what happened here? Golden, take it away. Yeah, but but when my feet hit the ground, I had both of my hands on the ball mm-hmm. just as much as he did. A catch is not if you have your hands on the ball and it's closer to your body. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just like baseball. It was the tie goes to the runner, the tie goes to the receiver. So, to the day that I die, this was the correct call. Nice. And I think it was a catch.
till the day that he dies or the day until TikTok brings trucks a thing of money to his back you know, yard and says, tell us the truth about this. He maybe just needs more time. You know, one thing I've learned about people who are delusional is like, they believe <laughs> Delusional. It. Like, they believe it. Like, like, this is what I see. That's his perspective. But he's dead wrong. But I love that he's sticking to it. I love that he defended it. Because I know if I would have been in that situation, we would have won. I'd have been like, it was close. So the tie goes to the hey, receiver. Did you push off on Willie Gay against the Steelers? Or I pushed off because he was holding me. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, my arm extended. But <laughs> before that, I didn't even have access to my arm. So, yes, I pushed off after he held me. That's why they threw the flag on him and not me. Does Nate have any super controversial plays he'd like to take back? Ooh. Something he could come clean about? Is, does he have one? I don't know about plays. Nate, Nate's had some moments. <laughs> <laughs> plays, That's fair. Uh, is pizza involved in those moments? Are you talking about? What are you talking about? What pizza, moments? Pizza, some cruise ships. Yeah, yeah. okay. We'll be <laughs> back. Nate is joining <laughs> our show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back on Good Morning Football. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Twice in one week for Nathaniel Eugene Burleson joining us. We dearly missed you this morning. And did you? Are you sad that I don't have a uh, sheepdog mask on to welcome you? I really wish I did. No, I'm good. I'd rather have your face, Kay. You're good to go. <laughs> it's good to see you, Nate. We've got Tom Pelissero and Super Bowl champion to Tori Smith here, two-time Super Bowl champion. But it's been a very reminiscent That's week. Right. We were thinking about our week in London that we spent. You went to two international games. And earlier this week, we, of course, got to announce the slate for 2022. Back in 2018, we all got to go to London to take part in the festivities at Westminster Studios. What was your right. favorite memory from that trip? Of course, it was uh, waking up later than the 4 a.m. that we always wake <laughs> up here in New York. So sleeping in, being able to enjoy our nighttime without the anxiety of having to worry about waking up. But you know what I really appreciate is the tailgating experience because there's something unique about how they show up for games. And I really feel like the U.S. should adopt it. You know, like, when you go to a football game here, you feel obligated to wear some type of merch or swag or a jersey from the team that you're watching. But there, they would show up in the most random jerseys. It's like, look, right. there's a football right. jersey in my closet. It doesn't apply to the game. I'm about to just show up and rock it. We've seen every jersey from every era watching two teams that had nothing to do with what they were wearing. So that's dope to me because football games, sometimes, have you ever felt pressure to put on some type of merch or swag for a team that you don't really support? I feel like London got it figured out, so that was my favorite part. Yeah, we're at Chargers Titans, and a guy's wearing a Broncos Carl Mecklenburg jersey. And me and Nate are like, all right, cool, all right. If you have it, wear it. Nate, yeah, real exactly. quick, before we get to the next question, if our show goes to Germany, which we are all very heavily lobbying for, will you be along for the ride? Will you leave your perch at CBS Mornings to come with us to Germany? What are you talking about, Shrek? It's not even a question. Of course I'll pull up, man. You just say the word, bro. You know what I mean? Hey, it's, it's squad all day. GMFB, baby. Hey, don't be fooled by the fancy suit and the shiny background, okay? You know where my roots are. 
GMFB, baby. But right now we got Tori Smith in your old chair. And yesterday we came on the show yep. and did our top three mm -hmm. underrated wide receivers in the league. Both of us had our own list, three separate players, and we got a lot of feedback online. You watched the game very closely. You're in that CBS studio every Sunday. Who do you believe is the most underrated wide receiver in the sport right now? So I have a guy, his first couple of seasons averaged around 50 catches, 600 yards. Decent. But this past season exploded over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. And it's a guy whose name doesn't come off too often. I'm going with Hunter Renfro. He's an absolute beast. I mean, this dude is the new slot machine. And I, I don't understand why he doesn't get mentioned. I don't understand why he hasn't been appreciated. We know what happened in Las Vegas, um, the unfortunate incident. And it seemed like the wide receiver core was an afterthought. And then, they, you know, they looked at the, one of their young veterans, and Hunter was like, yo, I'm good. Just, just throw me the ball. Put me in the backfield. Put me in motion. I can work the slot like the best slot receivers in the business, and I will be not only a trusted wide receiver, but a guy you can depend on in crucial moments. So, I mean, he just started his career only a few years in. You're putting up over 100 catches and nine TDs. That's a big deal. So I feel like he doesn't get the love that he deserves, and he's very underrated. Hunter Renfro, Cooper Cup, different players, but if you look at their stats, Nate, over their first three seasons in the league, it's amazing how similar that career arc has gone. So on Wednesday, we have Russell Wilson on the show. Peter got pretty fired up about what the Broncos could do in their division next season. Who do you believe has the edge in the AFC West right now? Did Peter go dark horse, MVP, Russell Wilson and the Broncos win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Peter gets really excited yes. around this time of year, so just forgive him when he, when he gets a little uh, <laughs> over his skis, if you will. I'm going to go with Broncos as well, Peter. I'm feeling you, baby. Let's yeah, Russell let's Wilson talk about with the Broncos. That wide receiver core. Here's the thing. The last time we had this experiment, a veteran quarterback with experience, Going to a team led by a guy that we call Gangsta John Elway, they won a Super Bowl. You remember that experience when, when Peyton Manning showed up and we were like, does he still got the juice? Now imagine. Now I know, different defense, a different host of players around him. Peyton Manning at the end of his career, he wasn't necessarily the young gunslinger. Russell Wilson still got the goods. And here's a, a little thing that we're not really talking about, and maybe it's not a big deal, but it will show up throughout the season occasionally at home. Russell Wilson's playing at altitude. He has the prettiest mm -hmm. deep ball in all of football. You don't think that that thing is going to carry an extra five to ten yards playing in that type of altitude, in that air? I just feel like Russell Wilson has everything that he needs, even a more well-rounded wide receiving group that he had in Seattle because he had a couple of studs and then some role players outside of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, I, I just feel like the wide receiver core with the Broncos – they're a little bit more well-rounded. He has all the pieces that he needs. So I'm going mm. with the Broncos and the AFC West. All right. Love it. I love it. Nate, I want to take you down memory lane for a second. So it was week 15 oh, in 2013, right? It was a great day for me. Maybe may have been a little traumatic for you. Justin Tucker kicks a 61-yard field goal, and my Ravens beat your Lions. What do you remember the most about that game? So this is what you came up with in the production meeting? Tori, this is what you offered <laughs> to the show today. You was like, you it's know what? It's great. You I'm know, you said it's a, hey, listen, I can see Nate's face in the ground. Listen, we supposed to be wide receivers. We supposed to be in this together, bro. Why you gonna do me like this in front of the world? You could have called me and bragged I mean, about. No, I'm joking. Um, but I remember one thing: uh, feeling old. You know, I'm looking around. I'm like, this is a young man's game. I don't know how much longer I can do it. Um, <laughs> I just look at me. I just wasn't moving like I used to, man. It's like you're, I'm running. You got you're in, moving in the chains. But I, I do remember there was a couple of calls that we should have got. 
Oh, like gosh. Detroit versus everybody. Yeah, that's right, Tori. I'm sitting there like, where are these flags coming from? And then I saw Joe Flacco slide the ref like $122 after the game. I was like, man, I knew they... No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, you know, that kick was amazing, though. Shout out to Justin Tucker. At that point, I remember thinking to myself, this dude is a legend. Like, he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer. And sure enough, Justin Tucker is one of the greatest of our era. Might be one of the greatest kickers of all time. The GOAT. I love it. Uh, and much respect to you, too, man. All those excuses you just made for why y'all <laughs> lost the game, you didn't make those excuses to get to that seat. So I just want to let you know I'm extremely proud of you, bro, and appreciate everything that you do. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tori Smith, for being on our show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Two days, Tom Pelissero for making time, and thanks to your lovely wives for, of course, letting you come up here now. Get your butts home and celebrate that. <laughs> See ya. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I didn't leave you out. Love you, Patty Schrager. Sorry, that's it as well. And right. Sarah Hirschfeld. Where's the good food? Let's go. Come on. I'll be home soon. I really will. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.